0: Every tenant that lives inside the innocence has many layers, like an onion. At first, you fall in love with their witty retorts, only to find out later that they're hiding the death of their mother-in-law. Once they've been convicted and go through rehabilitation, you find out how loving they can really be, only to find out it was a lie all along because they had plastic surgery, and were never who they said they were. This is Blinding Blinding Innocence. Innocence. Welcome to the innocence, where living here is so complex, but apparently... Complex is what brings in the viewers. Even today, with so many streaming options, Blinding Innocence pulls in 15 million viewers a day. That's 30 million if you include later viewing and online streaming. With so many storylines, there's something for everyone. It's on network television, so take that, Amazon Prime, Netflix, Apple Plus, Paramount Plus, Discovery Plus, Disney Plus, AMC Plus, PBS Plus, QVC Plus. You get the idea. If you love good old drama, you'll fall in love with the current storyline featuring Danica and Henrik. He loves her, but she's on a conquest. If you want Supernatural, you'll need to go back a few decades and stream the story arc that featured a haunted baby doll. The Haunted Baby Doll Murders was what helped Danya Webb win her first of many Emmys as Betty Lou Glick. If you love a murder mystery, then you're in for a treat. The latest season already has a body, and it's on the 23rd floor. Miz Shady Business. Looked out her twentieth story window as the police car and ambulance rushed up to the entrance. Her hands caressed the head of Ulcers, and she smiled as George greeted the first responders before they ran in. He was just so on top of it. She was so thankful for George and his ability to doorman. She hoped one day she would be reincarnated as a doorman to repay the universe. She watched as the police officers ran in, but the EMTs with the gurney got stuck in the revolving door. Why there was only a revolving door and no other door made no sense. Whoever they were trying to rescue would surely be dead by the time they got there. Then Shady Business realized, that must have been the master plan all along, Whomever designed the innocence complex to make sure someone died. What a terrible construct indeed. She walked over to her phone and dialed the building superintendent's number. He needed to be informed right away that the person that designed the building 60 years ago was, in fact, a murderer. After a few rings, the Supers' voicemail broke through. <laughs> You've reached the phone of Mr. McCluck... McS- McCl- McCl- the building superintendent of the innocents. Please leave your message at the sound of the beep. <ék şey> oh, Mr. McCluckl... McClu- Clu- Clu- I have terrible news. This building was built 60 years ago by someone... By... By a murderer! I feel like there's a million murders every season. People are always being pushed off the top of the building or stabbed by someone or something. There's been a few drownings around the complex... Between the pool and the hot tub on the roof, to some of the whirlpools in the tenants' homes, someone is always murdered in water. Those are the easy ones. A whole bunch of characters died during the story arc that claimed the 23rd floor. Which sadly, after Duane Remington accidentally set fire to the 23rd floor, they were killed off in the show because they died from the fire in real life. The most bizarre murder involved a man dressed up in leather. He was all shiny in his outfit, and he walked around all yucky. He haunted some of the new tenants that had just moved in, and... Wait, no. Oh, that's the wrong show. That sounds like something from the first season of American Horror Story. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to think about the most bizarre murder. Give me a second while I go through my notes. In the meantime, you're about to find out what happened to Miss Betty Lou. Betty Lou finally awoke, her head dangled by her shoulder, and she felt a long string of drool attached to her blouse. As she wobbled her head to wake up, the string of saliva wobbled like sound waves. The light that glistened off the slobber string came from the covered-up window above the shower. It looked like paper shopping bags were taped over the window. How tacky. She shifted her weight to sit up more, only to find that she'd been tied up to a chair. Her hands dangled at her sides, and she tried to slip them through the ropes, only to cause rug burn against her wrists. What kind of kidnapper use such itchy rope? Her legs weren't as irritated, thankfully, since she hadn't shaved them in days. As her eyes adjusted to the dim light, she realized exactly where she was. It was a guest bathroom. Itchy rope and a guest bathroom? "'You better not serve me tap water, too!' Betty Lou yelled. But it came out... (laughs) Because she was gagged. Ugh, she thought. Bound and gagged? Why does this always happen to me, she thought. Because it did. It really did always happen to her. If Betty Lou wasn't out terrorizing one of the tenants of the Innocents, she was probably somewhere bound and gagged. People f-ing hated her. Then, to her surprise, the door creaked open and a shadow came in and hunched down at Betty Lou's feet. Her captor wore black baggy clothes, so she couldn't tell if it was a man or a woman. And over the face was the disturbing mask of Bozo the Clown. What do you want from me? Betty Lou asked, which sounded like... (coughs) Her captor held up a white feather in front of Bozo's red nose and lowered it to Betty Lou's feet, which, she realized, were bare. Betty Lou yelled. She felt the feather caress her tippy-toes when the sensation to giggle and kick filled Betty Lou. Her captor kept going, running the feather over her feet. And before Betty Lou could take any more, her left leg broke through the rope, and she kicked her clown-faced captor in the head. He or she flew back against the wall, and fell to the floor in a crumpled heap. Betty Lou stood up, while still strapped to the chair, climbed over her captor, and tried to escape through the door. Her chair was almost too wide, but with a few rams against the door frame, the chair broke apart, and Betty Lou was able to hop through to the front door and escape out into the hallway. She pulled off the ropes, tore the duct tape from her mouth, and screamed! Blood was oozing from under the neighboring condo's door! Truth be told, Betty Lou wasn't the only one people hated. One of the most infamous villains to grace the blinding innocent screen was the fabulous Terabithia Dubriget. One of the storylines that will forever be stitched into the fabric of the show was when she started to cast spells. People were switching bodies, children became adults, and adults became dogs. The audience didn't know who was coming or who was going. It was one of the best storylines that showed how evil Terabithia DuBriget could be. Griswolda Channing Tatum, who played Dubrege would have had such an illustrious career after that season as one of the go-to villains of the Innocence if it weren't for the TV interview she did with the National Enquirer. The show's creator, Duanye Remington, warned Channing Tatum about doing that interview, but she didn't listen. At one point, the Enquirer reporter confused Griswolda Channing Tatum with her character, Terabithia, and he started asking questions about casting spells. After talking about how she loved the spells that made the children disappear, she realized what was happening. Turn those cameras off! I said, turn those cameras off! I don't really cast spells! It's my character! Unblinding Innocence, Terabithia Dubrige! I'm an actress. I don't really want children to disappear. At least I don't want them on the set. Working with children actors is the worst, but I don't want them to disappear. I mean, they can disappear from the show, but. Griswaldo Channing Tatum never did come back from that sordid interview and was fired from the show. The writers had Betty Lou destroy some talisman that Terabithia was using to cast the spells, and in the end, DuBriget turned to Ash. Wouldn't it be great if they were able to bring Terabithia DuBriget back, though? I mean, it's been so many years, and everyone knows the National Enquirer isn't serious. It can only help the show's unsurmountable ratings. I guess we'll have to wait and see if the fans start writing, tweeting, and Facebooking for some kind of comeback. After going through an entire roll of toilet paper, Beverly Cleary, not the children's author, vowed to never eat a spicy burrito again. Cross her heart, hope to die. She stepped off the elevator to the lobby, released one more bit of flatulence and prayed that was the last of the poison that had been inside her system. Now that she felt better, She wanted to come down and see what all the ruckus was. George, the doorman, stood at his desk talking to two people she had never seen before. One was a man with a monocle wearing a bowler slash derby hat, and the other was a woman whose grayish hair was wrapped up on top of her head, kept together by quite a few clips. Both wore trench coats. Detectives! "'Here,' Beverly Cleary said, approaching everyone. "'Near,' the woman said. "'You probably shouldn't be down here. "'I think it might be best if you go back up to your room.' "'My condo is much larger than just a room, dear,' Beverly said. "'Then George the doorman spoke. "'There has been a murder, Miss Cleary, "'and right now everyone here is a suspect.' so it might be best if you go upstairs. A murder? Again? Like, didn't we just have one? Cleary said, clutching her pearls. Why do I even still live here? The unnamed man spoke. Yes, ma'am. The last murder was, in fact, your husband. May he rest in peace, Cleary said. So, we will need you to go back up to your residence, please, he said. And who are you to tell me what to do? Cleary said, bringing up a bucket full of gumption from the remains of the spicy burrito. I am Inspector Nards, and this is my associate, Ms. Viener. We're here to investigate what happened to Mr. McClickle, Inspector Nards said. Mr. McClickle is dead, Cleary cried out feeling the blood rush from her head. She felt as if she might swoon. Inspector Nards was good-looking, so she took a few steps toward him and started to fall over. To her dismay, it was that awful Vienna woman that grabbed her arm and started to lay her down on the ground. Dear, you're passing out! Ugh, Cleary said, not anymore, pushing herself up from the floor, swiping at her dress we'll need you to go upstairs so we can begin scheduling interviews about the death of Mr. Mc- click clue- 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 t- yeah. Nard said, um, George the doorman said, I pronounced mister click 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 They all looked at each other in dismay. Welcome to the innocence, where everyone is just dying to live. Will we find out if the architect of the building really was a killer in disguise? A murderer designing a building for murder? Will we find out who kidnapped Betty Lou? Will Inspector Nards and Ms. Viener find out who killed Mr McClue clue Clu Clue the building superintendent? Tune in next time for Blinding Innocence